This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome to Pardon the Corruption. It's been a long time, but I think it's going to be worth the wait because today my guest is Casey Bannerman, who many of you already know uh, because he's a pretty popular artist on Twitter and he's done a ton of work for the Raptors. Uh, and uh, and just if, if you check out his profile uh, online, you know exactly uh, why he is so popular. So I'm, I'm very happy to be joined by Casey today. Welcome to Pardon the Corruption. By the way, if there's a better name for the show, let me hear it. But uh, welcome. <laughs> Zerard, man, it's so nice to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of Raptors Republic, everything you do, uh, which is a lot. Um, you specifically, I, I, I see it. You don't go unnoticed. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, man, I mean, I've been following your work for, for years now. And yeah. like, tell me the origin story of, uh, of Casey Bannerman. Like, wh- when did you realize... Oh that this is not just maybe a hobby, but a career. At what point in your, uh, in your life did you realize that I can take this to, uh, to a new level and maybe even make a living out of it? So first off, uh, shouts to origin story, man. That's like very on brand for me. It's very comic books and everything. I'm not sure if you can see all my, like some of my favorites are behind me there. Um, so... Oh, origin story is deep. So I'll just do a, a brief uh, synopsis. I was sort of working. I, I, I mean, as you said, you've been following my work for years, but I've only really been doing this professionally, professionally full time for about two and a bit years. Um, so that year that Kawhi came was the year that I really sort of buckled down and just decided like, I'm going to do this for a living. Uh, prior to that, I was sort of doing a, uh, a lot of like web development, like just jobs I really didn't enjoy um, that were sort of creative adjacent, but very corporate. Um, And at the time, uh, something I'm like very open about, I was struggling with addiction and uh, I just didn't know what was going on in my life. Um, But um, grappling with that, sort of looking inside, realizing that that was maybe started from me not doing what I liked in life, I decided to do more art. And it wasn't like Raptors at first. I was like, oh, maybe I'll design some logos, but whatever I do, it has to be creative. Um, and then I'm not sure if you remember, but do you do you remember the Art of the North event that they yeah. had? Yep, absolutely, yeah. So I, for practice, I had been doing more Raptors-centric art and just putting on my profile because uh, I was passionate about that, but that was mostly just to like try out new techniques and whatever. Um, and the Raptors reached out to me. And then also the guy, uh, Vince is his name. Um, and he put on the show. He is from, he's based in New York, but I think he's from like Washington or something. Anyways, so he put on the show and then we, I did that, uh, Art of the North event and, um, I, I just thought it was kind of a cool thing. And then out of nowhere, Fred Van Vliet reached out to me about one of the pieces going like, 
hey man, this is like really dope. I want to put it on my merch, on my clothing line. So we started talking and uh, that particular piece actually never made it to his clothing line. But as I'm sure some people have seen, at least maybe you have, I do a lot of work with Fred now mm-hmm. um, and, and his team who are all super dope, super nice. Shout out to Quez and Jordan and Aramis and Darnell and all those guys, super mm-hmm. dope. Um, and yeah, so from yeah. there on out, I just you know, sort of took whatever opportunities were coming my way and just kept on trying to get better and better and better mm-hmm. and get to the level that I want to get to, which, you know, you, you never get to, but, um, you know, it's the constant pursuit of that. Yeah. So, so now, I mean, you've gone from Fred to working with, like, I see some of the names here, like Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Danny Green, Phil Handy, the rapper's assistant. And yeah. uh, even you're even kind of touching on Ja Morant right now. And then bam. And how did it, was it like one particular opportunity that opened things up for you? Or was it just your word got around? Like, what was the, the kind of like the, the turning point, the TSN turning point <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where, yeah, right? where things kind of, uh... kind of went up? Yo, shouts to Fred, man. Like, Fred's the best. I just want everybody to know what a, like, absolute great guy he is. Um, he, for sure, was the turning point. I, I would say, like, if I was to put my finger on one thing, it's not like Fred was in the locker room being like, yo, you got to check out Casey or something like that. I, I mean, at least not to my knowledge. But him sort of, uh, I don't want to say, like, taking a chance on me, but seeing my work and being like, yo, I, I want that um, made me decide to pursue more players and at that time fred was like like and fred was a great player like that's why i i used him but fred was like a bench guy like remember beginning of like yeah started the 2018 2019 season like he was he was a great bench guy he was a lot of energy off off the bench you could see leadership you could see you know uh him turning into that but i don't know if we quite predicted i mean at least i didn't i don't have you know, the insight like you guys do that he would become who he is now. But even so, um, I think him taking a chance on me allowed me to sort of bet on myself, mm-hmm. you know, like in a roundabout way, which was yeah. kind of cool. And then from there, Pascal, like I, I, for his all-star game, I did that memory pendant with, um, Shuli, uh, a jeweler in, uh, uh, in Toronto. Uh, he and I collaborated on that. And that was for his all-star game. And the piece on that was uh, a dedication to him and his late father who passed away, which we, you know, yeah. most Raptors fans know that story. So, I mean, I mean, that, that's amazing because, because Fred is sort of like that underdog guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is the ultimate, I don't want to say rags to riches story, but he, he has that feeling about him. And even the, even the brands that he associates with like, and one, for example, and for one sure. was one of my favorite brands growing up because Yo, shout out to the Tai Chi, man. The Tai Chi shoe. Did you have that? For sure. For sure. And and I remember when, uh, actually, when my my now wife met, when we first met, I was wearing those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, And then uh, (laughs) I'm going to go off on a tangent here. And then I, I, you know, she introduced me to her sister at the time. And I was wearing the the Tai Chi's. And I remember one of the comments that her sister gave my wife at the time was like, are you sure about this guy? Look at the shoes he's wearing. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I'm I like, that are you out of your mind? These comment. are amazing shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Straight up, amazing shoes. But I got that exact same comment. Uh, so my uh, partner now, uh, Kelsey, who is all the brains behind this, um, that you know doesn't get the shine, and she loves that. Um, but she's definitely a part of making sure 
that everything gets organized and, and people get replied to, and she's the very best. Anyways, when we first met and started dating, she was introducing me to some of her friends and a couple of them said the same thing. I think I had like these, these Jordan sevens on or something. And, and she was like, yeah. you know, is this guy like, and we were going out to like some nice brunch and I showed up in Jordan sevens. Like I like fashion and, and shit like that, but I also like, like street fashion. Yeah. Um, and they said the same thing. They were like, are you sure those, those sneakers, man, he doesn't look that serious. Yeah. And at the time, maybe I wasn't like, yeah. <laughs> so, so who knows? Yeah. I remember at, at the time I used to be into this brand called triple five soul. Uh, Yo, I know triple five. So like, yeah, like out of yeah, New York yeah. and it was just, ah, yeah. anyways, so that's not a, yeah. that's not that maybe that's a, that's a different episode. That was almost sort of echo days period. Remember like yes. fat farm and echo and yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, remember, um, I remember going on yeah, young no, street. Fred, like to your point, Fred, Fred is, is very much that guy. Fred's a very good businessman. Um, uh, from, from my knowledge, I don't want to misportray our relationship. Like we do talk and, 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 you know, I reach out to him on, his birthday and, and sometimes, uh, you know, just for different opportunities and whatever, but, uh, he's very much that guy. Like he, he sees, uh, I think he just sees people who work hard. And, and that's the only thing I would pat myself on the back for, um, is like, if there's one thing I am, it's a hard worker. Like I work from nine till five and then seven to 12 now. Cause I got to work like when my manufacturers are up. um to make all the art on my jerseys and stuff like that so i think he recognized that even then and uh he puts time into those people and you can kind of see it and i don't know like i have no inside info on this but you can kind of see it with the guys that he like he gets close to on teams and stuff like that it's like it's the hard workers for sure that's the one thing that fred Uh, let me ask you a question about like how your art is produced because uh, you know I have a daughter. Uh, she's 11. Yeah. She's very much into digital art. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's also into like regular art and all that. Yeah. Um, like what, wh- what is the process that you use when you create a, a graphic? Is it, do you go straight to digital or do you first play around with it on, on, on pen or does it depend? Like walk me through like a, a, yeah. what, how a commission goes from concept to complete. Yeah. So, um, I do do a lot of pencils. Let's see if I can find my sketchbook here. Um, yeah. All right. So I do do a lot of pencils. This is one like I was just sort of trying to get because I hadn't drawn BAM and I'm working on a BAM piece right now yet. So I just had to get his likeness right. And this was my like sort of first attempt at it. And so I just do like, see if the light, can the light show it kind yeah, of? Yeah, I, I don't it. know. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I do do pencils a lot. Um, Digital does, like, sometimes I go straight to digital if it's just coming out that way. Because the nice thing about digital is that, A, you're not getting any eraser marks. So you don't, like, you're never afraid to put down, like, another line or whatever. You can just, like, remove it or hit undo or whatever. But also, like, let's say I drew Bam's head, like, a little too narrow. I don't have to completely restart. I can sort of just stretch it out. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the not benefit of digital is it's sort of like, you know, when people say like listening to vinyl, there's just that warmth to it, Uh you know, like there's like some intangible there that you can just like feel it, whatever, or or hear it rather. It's sort of the same thing when you're putting pencil onto a paper, there's just that tactile feeling and you feel like more of you is getting into the drawing. Mm-hmm. like more of your personal style. Mm-hmm. So as much as I can, I like to start with pencils. And then what I do is I scan that up. I bring it into, I work 
this is not like super standard, but I work entirely from an iPad Pro. A lot of people use these things called Wacom ta tablets, and those are dope too, but I just started on an iPad, so that's the way I continued. And um, I, uh, I do the inks, and then I do the colors, and then whatever I got to do after that. Like, I, I did a, a, a jersey for Kyle's birthday. I did this four-foot piece that it was uh, for his jersey retirement in Nova. And uh, Nova actually sent me his jersey, his official jersey and everything like that, because they can't sell them, right? Because of the NCAA rules. Uh, and then I put that behind plexiglass. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of floating in this frame. And uh, I had to print it onto the plexiglass. So if that's the case, I send that off. Or if I'm doing art on a jersey, then I talk to my manufacturers for that. And there's a whole process. And yeah. yeah I have a, a Wacom tablet. There you go, man. Yeah. yeah, Wacom's are great. Yeah, like if I if I um, had I started on a Wacom, like I think those are way more standard for sure. Mm. Um, had I started on them, I'd probably be with them. But I think that as I was sort of dipping my toes in the water, I had an iPad already for other things, um, and so I just ordered. It wasn't. I don't even know if they were iPad Pros at the time. But anyways, I ordered an Apple Pencil and I started with that, and then the iPad Pro came out, and I was making a little bit of guap. Yeah. And so I said, okay, let's put some money into this and let's get serious. And that's, you know what, if there's any artists listening to this, that's uh, one of the main things I would tell them is like at the beginning, whatever you make, reinvest, like whatever you make, reinvest, just put it back in. And then eventually you'll get to a point where you'll have an allocated amount of, you know, capital that you can sort of put to that and keep some, you know, for your life and pay your rent and stuff like that. And that, that's the main thing, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess it's about experimentation, right? See what works for, for you. For sure. Yeah, and 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 I landed on the on, on this tablet, and I, and I only obviously I'm not a I'm not an artist, but I, I use this for when we do it on on our YouTube channel when we do our play by play breakdown, and you got to search for sure. the and all that. Yeah, uh, it, it comes in quite quite handy for this. So it's it, it's kind of I mean it's 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 crazy how much the the digital toolkit has influenced our day to day when it comes to come comes to um, comes to art and the other day man like even music production man like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. holy crap man like I have a piano over there and yeah you know like I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to learn the man who sold the world the other day yo dope song oh uh, yeah and I was like dun, 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 dun. Yeah. and then I just did it on freaking digital and it was like man I just recreated this entire song in digital in two I minutes and I can't play it for the life of me over there you know, in a, in a certain way, it's like, it's very punk rock. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like you, like everybody can do it. And I, I really like that. Like anybody from, no, I mean, I, I obviously recognize that technology is expensive, but as it's becoming more and more of a necessity just for day-to-day -day life, right? Like you can make a song from your phone. I mean, hell, you could draw from your phone. It wouldn't be a lot of fun, but yeah. I mean, it wouldn't not be fun, but it, it, it would have a lot of limitations, but you can do it. Um, so I like that aspect of it. The only thing is, is that like, um, and no shade, but what, what ends up happening is you see a lot of the same. Mm -hmm. So in terms of my world is what I can speak to, yeah. um, people, there's a big grouping of artists that have a very similar style. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of um, vector tracing and whatever. And that's that's dope. Like, that's a thing. But um, 
there are people within that world that stand out because they do their own thing in that. And then there are people that are sort of like, just sort of seeing the same thing on Instagram and recreating it. Exactly. So that's why I chose to sort of get into something that I didn't even read comics for years, man, like, like 10 years. I, I didn't read, like, I'm not, you couldn't ask me like what Peter Parker's uh, great cousin's name is like, I don't know that shit, yeah. but um, growing up, that was a big thing in my life. And I always really liked the drawings because they were so dynamic. And that's where I was like, you know, that's basketball for sure. And then I can mix that with the dynamicism of comic books. And, and it's always a fusion that, that, that always works. Right. I mean, uh, for I sure. on, um, uh, you know, on, on our Twitter account, I saw there's an artist, uh, I mean, I'm going to butcher the name, but I think Dana, uh, is, oh, is, Dana. Yeah. Dana draws. Yeah. I think yeah. it's Dana too. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I think she made, uh, uh, I wish I knew her Twitter, uh, but she made uh, like playing cards. Yeah. 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 So those are playing cards with, with basketball. And, and that's like a great idea, right? I mean, uh, yeah. an everyday item fused with the NBA, you yeah, know, like in, in my, in my dumbass old mind, it would, that idea would never even come to me. But yeah, the fact yeah, that I saw yeah. saw her do it, I was like, oh, my God, it's so obvious. So, I mean, all this to say that, you know, once you, yeah, yeah, digitization has its own, like, whatever. I mean, you, you get a lot of commodity art. But the fact that you make it accessible to such a wide array of the population, like, you don't necessarily mm-hmm. need all the painting supplies to create art. You can just do it yeah. on your iPad just just by opening up to the masses you 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 get you you strike gold once or twi- you know once in a while and i think that yeah. that is, is the amazing part of, of, of digital art 100% and accessibility is a big part of what i want to do as well like in terms of making my art accessible for people to have like for regular people to have like uh my art on the jerseys uh trust me like they they don't cost nothing to make like there there's an investment there but one of my main goals i realize this by the way i realize this is a different type of accessibility you're talking about accessibility for people to make the art i'm sort of accessibility for people to purchase art and have it mm. um one of my main goals with making my jerseys was to make it like as affordable as i could for people mm. same with my my prints i i'm some people sell prints for like 20 bucks and that's fine but like i know the business and that's impossible to make money with um but so that's why i open up my price point at at um at like 40 dollars because i want people to have it i want people to have these memories and and moments we all share do you know what i mean like doing that like Kawhi crouching after the shot like we were all there we all remember that moment we all share that moment so i want everybody to be able to have it um so yeah, uh, let, let me ask you this. So I mean, you probably heard of NBA Top Shot, which is really yeah, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's um, in, in, NFTs, I believe, right? Yeah, NFT on, moment on tokens, yeah. and and you see it being applied to NBA highlights. Uh, obviously, yeah. it, its roots are in uh, in blockchain, and cryptocurrency has you know has yeah. a big influence on the concept. I, yeah. Is there something similar for digital art where? You know, I mean, a file can be copy and pasted a million times, but is there something out there which is NFTs, but for art? Like, is, is, do you see something like that? For sure. And, and people are doing that. Like, there, there's a lot of NFTs with art going around, like like um, like static images, right, uh, that aren't necessarily moments. And, and they seem to be doing well. What I think is my hesitation with that 
has been. And again, this is like no judgment, no shade to anybody who's doing it is that when I was sort of looking into it, uh, um, an artist by the name of Craig White reached out to me and he, he explained to me, which I didn't even think of the environmental impact of creating these blockchains. So um, there are, because I guess to create these codes and, and to, to do this, it's a huge amount of energy. And every time you transfer them, it's a huge amount of energy. Yes. And people don't realize that, that, that like printing out millions of copies of the art or like millions of, of jerseys pales in comparison, apparently to the environmental impact of some of these NFTs. Um, I know that NBA Top Shot uses one, I think called Flow, which is known to be very uh, environmentally good. So I would be looking into that. And I think it's a good opportunity for people to get into, um, like you could own, like the one I want to do is my Kyle Lowry piece, right? Of him holding the trophy. I mean, that's been by a long shot, my most successful piece. partly because everybody loves Kyle Lowry, including myself. Right. So. I mean, and and uh, great point on the, um, as a tech person, uh, you're, you're, you're bang on. I mean, it's uh, yeah. it, the, the, the cost of actually validating tokens on, on the blockchain is, is extremely yeah. high. There, there are like, you know, the, I remember a couple of years back, Nvidia stock price skyrocketed because people yeah. weren't buying Nvidia graphic cards for, for gaming, they were buying it because they're optimized to to to, to mine coins. Mine. Yeah, and, I know. You know, and they're you know, if you if you go to some of the Western Chinese provinces, there are basically fields and fields of of, of computers that are that are doing this. And yeah. the, the crazy part is that there's there's the electricity part of it for sure, but there's yeah. also the the part about disposing uh, computers because these computers don't last more than three months because they're under such heavy use that you have to discard them and buy new ones every three months. And if you compare that to how long you've had your MacBook Pro or I've had my PC, it pales in comparison. Oh, 100%. And and again, like no judgment to anybody who's doing it. We all got to make a buck, especially artists. Like it's a good moment for artists, I think. Um, But just you know once i found that out i couldn't in good conscience just enter into some of the nfts i just sort of decided it's like okay i got to take a step back and do this properly and um and, and i will i think that i'll go with the flow uh nft i guess like it shows how little i know just by, yeah. by the, my tone of voice like i'm i'm not confident in which one i'm going to choose and do it and i just want to make sure it's something that people want from me because like the number one reason I do this, Zarar, is because I think things are dope and I want to share them with people who also think that they're dope. Yeah. So I'm not looking to like just cash in, cash out with an NFT. If it's something that's that people want, then I'll do it because I'm doing fine, man. Like I I I, I got a good life. Um, I'm I'm happy making my jerseys and I'm happy making my art and I'm happy working with like the players that I get to work with. Um if at some point I make an NFT because people want to make it. And of course, like we all got to make money. We all got to buy groceries. So if that happens to be a side effect of it, great, but it's not my priority. Yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, let's switch to some Raptors talk. Um, For so sure, man. The, the season, you know, it, it's, been a, obviously it's been a weird, <laughs> you know, obviously it's been a weird season. But let's yeah. talk about the recent developments in the Raptors. Yeah, right? let's do it. It, it. it sounds like the team is sort of, healthy at this point against the Nets last night 
Uh, we're recording yeah. this on today's Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Yeah. Uh, against the Nets last night, they looked pretty good. Yeah, the Nets didn't have uh, James Harden or Kevin Durant, uh, but yeah. the Raptors looked. They looked like the Raptors for sure. At especially in the second half, even the game before that, they looked more cohesive. Even though they didn't have like all their guys playing, they still looked like a like a team that kind of recognizes each other on the court. Hundred percent. Give me your thoughts on: Were you ever does tank? Does the idea of tanking? How do you react to when people say we should tank? Like, what what is your initial like immediate response to that idea? So my immediate gut response is no, right? Like, because like you, you watch this team, I've watched tanking seasons. I don't even know if I've watched tanking seasons, to be honest, like, because the Raptors for so many years were so inept. And I think that there's a good portion and I'm not gatekeeping here. Like, I love everybody who comes on board, but like, I think that there's a good portion of either younger or newer fans because I was a newer fan at some point too, but well, I guess not. I, I was pretty much here since 95. But anyways, point is, um, like how bad watching bad teams is and what, and what tanking really means. Like the Detroit Pistons have been tanking for how long now? Like that rebuild started how long ago? Like it's ridiculous. It's not fun to watch. So that's my gut reaction. Having said that, like, what would we call what the Spurs did? Like what, what for, for Timmy Duncan, what was that? 96. Is that when that was? Yeah. And that, that's a great comparison, man, because I, I would equate the Raptors tanking to the Spurs. And I have done this in a, in a, in a, in a previous show because that was opportunistic tanking. Yeah. It, it wasn't deliberate, deliberately planned at the start of the season. It sure. was circumstance that sort of led to that. And the circumstance in that case was David Robinson uh, getting injured. And they were, they, you know, yeah. there were the twin towers and Robinson got injured Robinson was kind of always injured. I, I don't know. Maybe my memory. Yeah, I know. I know. It's something that we don't really remember, particularly me, because at that time, like I was born in 87. So I was young, but I have this idea of Robinson. And then you look back and you sort of go like, oh, yeah, he was injured quite a lot, actually. Yeah, it, it sort of does feel like I, I, and I think you're right. Some of the fans maybe haven't haven't uh, experienced tanking because it's not yeah. pretty. It's toxic. Uh, yeah. it, it, there's just it's just not a good air around the franchise. The yeah. only saving grace of, of, on this year's, like if we if we had decided to tank, was the fact that it was a short term one off thing, not a long term yeah. strategy like the Pistons or, or or the Sixers have adopted. So that that was the only part that I kind of was able to swallow. It's circumstantial. It's entirely like I I don't believe for a moment that they came into this season attempting to tank i mean I, I i think that it's pretty obvious that they didn't to be honest like nobody expected our center i i yeah nobody expected our center problem to be just this bad as it was uh like the black hole at that position um but I, so so anyways that's my gut reaction to it um i understand people that, like thinking about the circumstantial or situational tanking this way. Um, I do, I don't know, losing on purpose just has bad karma attached to it. In my opinion, it yeah. never, it, when, when has it worked out? Tim Duncan, a hundred percent. But other than that, when has it worked out really? Yeah. Like a, a team has gotten a good player and then they go win somewhere else. <laughs> like here's my thing on tanking. Go ahead and tank, but make sure you pay off the guys in the NBA league office 
yeah. to give to give you the pick that you yeah I know right draft. to freeze the folder to freeze yeah. the envelope do, yeah. do do the Patrick Ewing Knicks yeah yeah you know or or the LeBron Cleveland thing so you so you're ensured that you get something out of it yeah yeah if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna tank and then leave it to chance that's dumb go uh, go to honestly, Adam Silver man, give him a little yeah. nickel. You think they want Zion in New Orleans? Do you like honestly think like I don't? I don't believe that that shit exists anymore, man. I don't think that that's even possible. I don't even, and I'm not even commenting on whether it exists. Like I'm not a tinfoil hat wearing fan, like to a certain degree. Although that podcast, what, what's its name about the refereeing um, bullshit that was going on oh, with Tim Donaghy? Yeah, like no, nah, but they like there's this podcast that that uh, I can't think of its name now, but they really delve into it. And you just sort of go like, I'm watching pro wrestling, man. I'm watching the WWE, but, but I'm not like, honestly, I'm not a tinfoil hat wearing guy. Um, But if I were, I would say that that's over now because like, did you see what happened with Zion when they asked him about MSG about Madison square garden? It's like, do you like playing here? And he said, Oh, he said like uh, other than new or like, he like lit up, first of all, his face just like, he was like, yeah, like I love playing here. Da, da, da. And then he caught himself and then he was like, oh, but like other than New Orleans, this is my favorite place to play. And first of all, let's start on one like one thing here, man. Everybody likes playing in Madison Square Garden. Jordan like playing in Madison. It's Madison Square freaking garden, man. Like yeah. it's not that much of a revelation. But what I'm trying to get to is it's very clear that the at least like the ESPNs and Bleacher Reports were just like foaming at the mouth for that. They're like, post it, post it, post it. Yeah. Like even the, the Knicks who have been good, like I'm not trying to say that they haven't been good. They just got the fourth seed last night, right? Mm-hmm. Like third and fourth. Yeah. The hottest Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. But we're. We're we're a little bit blowing that out of proportion, right? Okay. Like, well, I'll 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 leave it at this. the fact that it's the Knicks. It's getting a little like gassed up. I I firmly believe, and I obviously have no evidence that you know in the in the eighties and nineties, um, when you know the, the level of transparency and Twitter wasn't there, and a lot of deals could be cut under the table. Yeah, it just it it, it would be it would That's be right. It would be very naive to argue the opposite point that everything is fair and square especially when you look at the amount of money that is involved right at the end of the day even though the nba is not a public league you're 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 optimizing for shareholder value and if it makes sense for jordan to go to the bulls and the 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 next of course you do that because especially at that time in the 80s the nba was not about the the nba's primary goal was survival a hundred percent it needed to survive yeah. like it, the nba yeah. is not today where like whatever it's the most popular league in north america or whatever it is yeah. i don't know but at the time it was about can the nba survive the next 10 years because frankly there were a lot of stereotypes associated with the league at the time which were hard to sort of sort of break down and one, one of the things that david stern has has did and you know he did a lot of maybe shady stuff too. I don't know what he did. For sure. One of the things he did do, he he brought the NBA to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Right? The NBA was not a mainstream league in, in the early 80s or, or certainly the 70s. And he did, and maybe he had to do some things that were a little grayish on the uh on the on, on the ethical front. So you know, I, I'll forgive him. Yeah. I'm not um, 
I'm not hating on him for, for, for doing that. I'm just saying there's a strong possibility that it, that it probably Yeah, but, but does it happen anymore? Because Zion Williams is in New Orleans. Like, yeah. what is that? Like, that's the second smallest market in the entire NBA, I think. Yeah. And I've been to New Orleans, man. Like, they don't care. Like, I don't know if they care now. Like, Zion wasn't there when I went. Uh, it was like, uh, it was on my 30th birthday. So whatever. Anyways. Um, and like, they didn't care. Like, you barely knew that the Pelicans played in that town. Like, they cared about the Saints and that's it. Let's talk, let's talk about positions for a second. Because, uh, you know, like, traditionally, we've always had the one to five, right? One, two, three, four, five. And, and one of the one of the talks you hear in, uh, in, in, you know, when you talk about Raptors is that, you know, is Fred a one or a two? Or uh, is Siakam a four or a or, or a five or a three? Is OG yeah, yeah, yeah. here? It, and I know positionless basketball has been a thing for quite some time now, but yeah. I just feel that at this point in the end, in, in the game's evolution, not necessarily just the NBA's evolution, is there an opportunity to sort of rethink the positions? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, when you when they're zigging, is that zigging? You got a zag, like. Uh, look, the small ball thing was, it still is a thing for sure. But like the Warriors changed how everybody was building their rosters, right? Like the big man was looking obsolete for years. And, um, and, and a lot of guys fell by the wayside, like, uh, Roy Hibbert just like lost his whole career to that, to that whole sea change. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know if people recognize that he didn't like fall off a cliff talent wise necessarily. He just became, uh, obsolete impotent in the league. Like he just like, what are you going to do? Like he, his skill set just didn't match the way the league was going. And now with the Lakers do it like, you know, having just recently coming off of their championship with AD and LeBron and just the way they were building their roster and more like emphasis on bigs everybody's sort of like, well, let's just like get bigs. And some teams were hoarding bigs, like just like blatantly, like just like, oh yeah, we'll just get another bag. We'll just hoard them. This is an asset everybody wants. You know what it was like, man? It was like NFT uh, (laughs) data mining. Like they were just like, yeah, I don't know how this fucking works, but I'm just going to get like, you know, as many of these in as we can. Um, so I think it's going that way in terms of the, what your, your comment about the positionless basketball in short. Yeah, of course, of course it's, it's a, it's a good opportunity. And that's what franchises who win do. That's what people who win do in life is that they think of a way of doing things differently. They, they, they exploit the, um, the, they exploit things that are undervalued, I guess, or exploit chaos or, or whichever way you want to frame it. I, I, I yeah. can't articulate. Yeah, that I, I think uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a blue ocean strategy. If you, if you're in, in, in management at all, it reminds me of that, which, which basically means you zig when everybody else is zagging and, and you will yeah. get an advantage out of it. And, and yeah. one guy that, that I think like Pascal Siakam gets a lot of, you know, a, a lot of criticism for, for, for a lot of reasons, which are sort of unfair. I, I, I Let's think- just pause that for a second. Completely unfair. Yeah. Like completely unfair. I just want to emphasize that. Like just like whoever's listening, like completely unfair. Like it, it's it's ridiculous. Okay, continue. I, I, I'll tell you what I think is the source of that. Okay. And I think people, for some reason, automatically think he is a tier one Steph Curry player and equate him to those standards. And that is so dramatically unfair to the guy. 
that mm-hmm. it, it, it that, that's where a lot of the a lot of the Pascal hate comes from is, is because they're like oh he's underperforming based on these ridiculous standards that we have mm-hmm. somehow set for him it's almost like when Kawhi Leonard left we automatically said oh we still got a tier one player it's just Siak yeah. so let's start let's start measuring him based on those ridiculously high standards now mm-hmm. the guy on his own I don't know how you feel to me he is. This is going to sound stupid, man. So I'm going to, I think yeah. he is or can be the Raptors' best playmaker. Yo, he's just like, they're ridiculous. And nobody's paying attention to it. A hundred percent he can be, especially with the attention he draws, right? And and that's the other thing that nobody seems to notice. They'll be like, oh, he was like, uh, didn't have like such a great game tonight. Like, did you watch them guarding him the whole game? Like, I'm not like, I'm not sitting here just because like, I've, I've, done some work with Pascal and, and I've talked to him a couple times trying to like uh, pretend that there's, you can't critique the guy when the, when the guy plays poorly, he knows it as well. Right. Like it's just, that's the truth, but, or, or if he's getting uh doubled or whatever, that there isn't something that he can do that at times he hasn't done. But having said that, like the way that he play makes is unbelievable. His kickouts, his passes sometimes, sometimes so much so to a fault. Yeah, like and, the and game where where he tried, he he double dribbled basically. Man, I remember um, when Demar Derozan was here. Yeah, one of the things that we wanted Demar Derozan to do was well, there was only always three things. It was can yeah. you shoot the ball from three? Mm-hmm. Can you tighten up your dribble? And yeah. can you play make? Those yeah. were year in year out the three things on Demar Derozan's to do list, which he. Mm-hmm. Never really got to completely in Toronto in, 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 in when he was when he went to the Spurs, he obviously has solved a lot of those problems. Yeah. And what when I when I evaluate Siakam against those three criteria, which is ball handling, three-point shooting, and playmaking, I think his playmaking is exceptional. Like yeah, I think it's exceptional. Exceptional, yeah. and it's a and he and he has improved. I'd say by orders of magnitude over the last couple of years. And I don't see any reason why his playmaking aspect can't improve. Three-point shooting has always been about practice and just rhythm. And I believe that will come. My main thing that that I wonder if Pascal can tighten up is his dribble. Because if Mm -hmm. he tightens up his dribble, his playmaking improves. So to me, that's the main to-do on Pascal's list uh, for me. What, what, What do you think? Yeah, I think so as well. And I, I also like, do you remember his rookie season? Like I, cause I do like, and, and the I, I think that Pascal has been a victim of his own success and that sort of happens sometimes. I, I think that what happened in 2019 and, and just how much he rose to the occasion after that, they're like, well, this is just going to be exponential growth. And you're like, well, that's not the way growth works. Like it, it happens in jumps. And, and frankly, he has improved a lot statistically this season. He's also been a victim of uh, COVID, which we don't know the long-term effects of. Like yeah. we don't at all. And you can see it in his conditioning. And and frankly, I just sort of think like, look, this guy's really, really like real talented. Like he has the whole skill set. He's got the body archetype. He's got like, he can really do something. Um, you know, not to play into your point about, you know, people holding him to a standard of being like a, a Steph Curry or an Anthony Davis or something like that. Um, which I mean, if he wants to to shoot for, go for it. And I'm, I'm not trying to say that, you know, he, he can't necessarily reach that, but, um, I think he's honestly like, it's his 
it's probably his shooting, right? Yeah. It's a shooting. That's the thing that he's really got to um, get more consistent at, especially his three point shooting, because I'm seeing a lot of them. They're, they're all um, hitting the back of the iron. Like they're all too strong. And like, and then, and then he'll overcompensate and one will just like, you know, graze the net. You got to get Dave Hopla in here for a summer. A shooting yeah. coach, legendary shooting coach Dave Hopla, spend the yeah. summer with him and next. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, and it's fine. like also like it's not easy to shoot with like when your wingspan is like a hundred and thirty percent of your height or something like that. What the hell would I know? My wingspan is like five foot four. I don't know. <laughs> I know, man. Like what? If, like like moving those arms, it's like a it's like a trebuchet. Like, uh-huh. a, like, you know, yeah. and that's why, that's why it's so remarkable when Boucher takes a shot and we all call him Trey Boucher. Yeah. All right, Casey, man, thank you for uh, coming on and, and, yeah, and talking about your art and, and some basketball. Uh, good luck to you. What, what's, what's coming up next for you that, that, that we, sh- we can look forward to? Um, a lot, a lot of stuff that I, I sort of have to keep a little bit on this, on, on the DL because, uh, I, I have to make, uh, legal negotiations now um i have i have my jerseys you know this is the van vliet one that i just finished for his 54 point game just dope and then of course there's the uh the lowry one so i hope hope to be doing more art on jerseys soon but um you know you know how the league be um i just have to make sure that i do that all properly now and get it done right um and and some future collaborations always stuff dropping with fred yeah. All right, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll, we'll Thanks, talk to you. You're the best, soon. man. Appreciate you.